This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody has seen how dishonest the media is in recent weeks, particularly about this. I mean, there's so much we could insert in the fill in the blank there, but particularly when it comes to this Georgia election law, uh, they're lying about it all over the place. And, and it's fascinating because I thought we were supposed to be able to count on not just the media to be truth tellers, because that's absurd. We don't really believe that. But at least the the social media companies and the the tech giants, aren't they supposed to get rid of lies? Aren't they supposed to make sure that only truth is able to be shared? Don't they block things that are misinformation? And yet, has any misinformation about the Georgia election law, SB202, has any of that been banned? Has any of that been taken down? Have you seen that anywhere? No, of course not, because we all understand what's really going on here. We recognize that they have taken sides. Uh, We'll be talking about that. And also, of course, the update on the Ron DeSantis effort here from the media to destroy him. They're trying to find a way to make the single best governor with the most impressive results in the entire country from the pandemic. They're trying to make him look like the bad guy after they held up Cuomo and Newsom as the good guys. It's it's embarrassing, but that's, of course, what the media does. You can't trust them. You also can't trust the big tech companies. You know that much. And now is the time to take a stance, take a stance against the MLB, take a stance against Coca-Cola, take a stance against Facebook and Google protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN. I trust Express VPN. That's a virtual private network. It protects you when you use Express VPN. Your connection online gets rerouted through their secure encrypted servers. So these companies can't see your IP address at all that I'm talking about here. Every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop or TV, has a unique string of numbers called an IP address. When you search for stuff, watch videos, or even click a link, and then the big tech companies can use that to track all of your activity. You, you don't want that. So all you have to do is get ExpressVPN. You don't need to be tech savvy either. It's so easy. I've got it on all my devices. Protect your internet activity with the VPN I'm using every day. Go to expressvpn.com buck to get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck to get three extra months free expressvpn.com slash buck. This is unbelievable. I mean, really unfortunate today, obviously, that Major League Baseball has folded up and caved to the cancel culture and a bunch of liberal lies, quite honestly. And what's even more sad is the president of the United States, Joe Biden, and people like Stacey Abrams labeling the Election Integrity Act, Jim Crow, this is what happens. You know, now you have a lot of small business owners, a lot of great baseball fans, including myself, or they're getting deprived of having the all-star game in Atlanta because of a cancel culture. And I think it's a, a message to all of us all across this country that are at home tonight. They're coming after you next. You know, they're gonna come after your ball game. They're gonna boycott your business. If you don't agree with with their way of life, they're going to come after you on that, too. Cancel culture is a cancer in our society. It's destroying us. It's eating us from the inside out. It's ruinous. And now it's going to cost a whole lot of small business owners and 
employees, people that are selling merchandise, people that own hotels or try to rent out their home on Airbnb or whatever it may be. They're losing. They estimate in the county in Georgia, Cobb County, where they were going to have the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, a hundred million dollars of revenue. Now, a hundred million dollars of revenue is being pulled from this part of the country. And I know they'll say, oh, Buck, they'll just move it somewhere else. Yeah, but people were counting on that revenue. People have been making decisions. People have been preparing for this. You're going to punish an area of the country that worked to put itself in a position where they could actually have this kind of an event. You're going to punish them for what? For lies. Lies. Governor Kemp knows everyone in Georgia, everyone who's read the bill, the Election Integrity Act, SB 202, everyone knows that this is all bull crap. But Democrats don't care about that. The lie is useful. There's a certain power. There's a certain uh, advantage they get from just making it up. So that's all that really matters. And that's what they've done. And they've caused real damage to people here. And it's not just Major League Baseball, mind you. It's also Coca-Cola. It's Delta Airlines. Uh, These are companies that could very easily say, and it would be much better for the country if they said, we provide great services to all people and, you know, support our democracy, but we don't take partisan political stances out of respect for our customers and our employees. But no, that's not the culture we have now. Because, you see, conservatives have unfortunately, and this has been a huge mistake, spent a long time sitting around saying, you know, maybe we'll get them to stop being crazy. Maybe we can get the left, the libs, the progressives to stop being insane. But it doesn't work because they're getting their way. They're benefiting from this. They get to bash their political enemies. They get to increase their power. Why would they stop? They don't care about the damage that's being done to people. They like the damage that they see. They like that people that disagree with them politically are having their business hurt or perhaps even ruined. And if there's some collateral damage to their own side, you know, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. That's their attitude. Like all leftists, collectivists, totalitarians, Stalinists, you know, some people are going to suffer because of my maniacal policies, my, my desire for control and absolute power, eh, too bad. That's really the ethos of the Democrat Party these days. They don't care. It doesn't bother them at all. They'll just tell themselves fairy tales. They'll tell themselves lies about what's happening if they have to. Or they just will ignore it. Or they don't mind it. Doesn't matter. It's not going to stop. So how do we get it to stop? People ask me this. Where are you spending your dollars? What companies, what corporations do you support? What products are you buying? You buy the products of of uh, companies that support free speech. Do you purchase things online or in store that are uh, sold to you by people who even if they don't share your values, that's that's one thing. That's fine, although I think that's also good, but at least are willing to allow you your values and not spit on you all the time? Are, are you making those determinations? I, I tell you this and I say it w- without without any hesitation. Are you checking out the sponsors on this show? Or whatever other shows you listen to as well. I'll just say it. I mean, this is a general principle, though. Obviously, I care the most about the sponsors on this show. Are you actually taking action on those things? 
Because if the answer is no, if you're just, yeah, I'm still going to fly Delta because I like the points and Coca-Cola. By the way, you should not be drinking Coca-Cola. We all know this, right? Soda is terrible for you. It's a whole other really all soda. Unfortunately, it's kind of like a treat. You know, if you think of soda like you think of, you know, a, a, a lollipop or a candy cane or something, a once in a while sweet treat, that's fine. But I know Coca-Cola has bought all these other brands and companies beneath it. But in general, it's still thought of as a soda company and. And really, people shouldn't be drinking that stuff. You should be drinking water. Uh, I try to remind myself of this all the time. But are you taking action based upon these things? Every single one of you listening to this, huge amounts of people across the country, because this show is, has gotten big now, folks, and we, we have a large audience across the United States. It's been, you know, it's taken us five years to get here, but now we're one of the, by, by the numbers, I'm, I'm certain one of the 10 biggest radio shows in the United States. And then it's just a question of where we fall on that list for conservative talk and we sit here and we we think to ourselves how is this going to change how will this stop um it's only when we fight back and that's what trump when he released you know 45 as people are calling him now the former president of the united states put out one of his i, I don't know what we call these these uh, memoranda memoranda from down in, in mar-a-lago where he said that this is this is nonsense and you've got to hit back. If we don't hit back, we lose. I, I hope everyone at least understands that now. If we don't decide that it's time to do something about this cancel culture and, and everyone has to has to mobilize, then it just continues on. And, and then we just ha- we'll get used to it, I suppose, over time or we start just withdrawing from uh, our principles in public life and, and allow the other side to just steamroll us all the time. You know, when was when was the last time a company did something drastic because it was so afraid of conservatives or traditional Christians or Republicans or whatever coming after them? When was the last time you could think of? Because I could sit here and tell you lots of times the pendulum has swung in the other direction. It happens all the time, actually. So we either change this dynamic or it continues to be the dynamic. That's where we are. I think people have realized this now. I will tell you, I will admit, I, I used to have a a sense that um, I, I used to have a sense that, you know, we could we could convince the other side to stop being crazy. But now I've I've seen it's really over the last ever last three or four years. It's gotten particularly egregious, uh, but I've seen that they don't care that it's damaging and that it's wrong and that it's unprincipled. In fact, it's an advantage Right? If you're willing to do whatever to get what you want, you got a lot. You got a lot of room for maneuver. You got a lot of things you can do. That's their approach. They don't feel badly about any of this, and it has enormous effects on. Remember, one company does this. A lot of other companies go, "Uh oh, better put out another statement on diversity and inclusion. Better put out another statement in support of you know m- multiculturalist rhetoric or wh- whatever it is." Right? Better put out another statement. Corporate policy. And then people that work in those companies have to sit around and and mouth the preferred slogans of the cultural Marxist. You know, yes, sir. OK, yes, ma'am. OK, say whatever they're told to say, like a bunch of brainless robots that just want to keep their jobs and keep their health care and their paychecks. And I get it. But this keeps happening and we keep turning around, looking at each other and saying we're half the country. Why can't we stop this? The other side doesn't live through this. Why do we have to? 
We need to wake up, folks. The time to do something about this is now. Um, here's uh, Governor Kemp again. Play 16. It means cancel culture and partisan activists are coming for your business. They're coming for your game or event in your hometown. And they're coming to cancel everything from sports to how you make a living. And they will stop at nothing to silence all of us. They are happy to silence all of us. That's the goal. That's the purpose. See, on the right, because we believe in free speech, the free exchange of ideas, we understand that there's something lost when when there's no space for political discussion that is free, fair and open. We also understand that there's something lost when there are places that can't be by nature free of politics. And we used to think of sports as a place where that was largely true. I know people talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad Ali and, and other you know, sports superstars who have taken very political stances at, at different times. But generally speaking, we think of sports as something where you could sit down and have a conversation as a Republican or a conservative. You could sit down and talk to you know, your progressive neighbor about, you know, who who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year or who's going to win the uh, the Heisman. Or I, I don't know. I, I don't I honestly don't really care about this stuff at all. So I'm, I'm increasingly not uh, meaning professional sports and also college sports, too. So I don't pretend to, to know much about this. I'm I've disconnected from it for many years now. But the point is, you used to be able to talk to people about this and there was some sense of common ground. There was some shared understanding and it didn't always devolve into a political food fight. Now, it you'll talk about politics first in the context of sports. You'll speak about how you know NBA players are uh, taking a knee, or NFL players are doing something during the uh, during the pledge of a uh, sorry during the national anthem, not the pledge of allegiance. Uh, but they're, they're doing things, and that's what comes up before anything else, because the progressive left feels like it's just a long string of victories on this issue. We either raise the cost and fight back or we keep losing. It's a once in a generation investment in our economic future, a chance to win the future, paid for by asking big corporations, many of which do not pay any taxes at all, just to begin to pay their fair share. And it won't raise a penny tax on a family making less than $400,000 a year. No federal tax. No addition. Joe Biden wants to tax corporations more. Now, if you listen to the leftist rhetoric, you'd think that corporations would be automatically incensed by this and that they would be strong supporters of the lower tax Republican Party. But that's not happening at all. In fact, big corporations are fans of big government. They're largely controlled by they, they are generally now a constituency of the Democrat Party. I'm talking about the mega corporations, the very top, not all companies, but places like Amazon, Google, Facebook, Delta, Major League Baseball. You get on the whole list. And I didn't even mention this before. Major League Baseball should lose its its antitrust exemption. Major League Baseball in a state like Georgia should lose its uh, and any tax breaks that it has or Delta Airlines should lose tax breaks, for example, in the state of Georgia. That's what should happen. They Companies should know that if we're going to punish people based on politics, politics is going to punish them back. 
I know you understand this is uh, this is very straightforward. This is about power dynamics in our society. So we can ignore it and keep keep just taking it on the chin or we can say that this is enough. And people are saying, oh, but what can I do? I've already told you. you know, do you support do you support private corporations? Do you support companies that are out there selling products that will defend your values that stand with you? Companies like the ones that advertise on this show, but on other shows, too. You know, when when you see uh, when you see uh, commercials on Fox News, if you're a Fox watcher, are you like, OK, that's that's a company that's standing with Fox. So I'm going to support them because they're going after Fox advertisers constantly. They're going after radio advertisers constantly. So it's very easy, in fact, to show that you care about this and you're and you're showing you care every day. You have choices to make every day that are either helpful or not helpful with regard to protecting basic freedom, free speech, and the, the right to have your beliefs respected by corporations, by companies, just in the free market in general, or in the market. As we know, the market's never really free in this country, but that's another conversation. But why do big companies not get upset? Why don't they turn on Democrats over this one? Biden's saying he wants to raise the corporate tax rate going forward. It's because they will find ways. They have armies of accountants and they have the kind of political leverage to get things like a special statewide or even national tax break. They have the influence to live by a different set of rules. And so what ends up really happening is that smaller companies, upstarts, challengers, people that want to go up against the incumbents, they end up squashed by the regulatory pressure, by the additional cost, by the additional taxes. They end up hurt by these government policies and regulations, and government gets more revenue, looking like they're standing up for the little guy, when really they're actually just crushing the middle guy at, for the benefit of the guy on top. That's what's really happening. And that's what will occur with the Democrats passing their their tax proposal going forward. Um, and then there's just also uh, the way this bill in Georgia continues to be lied about. I mean, it would be one thing if this was a really contentious area of politics. You know, if Georgia had just passed, let's say, a statewide ban on abortion uh, or even a ban on abortion, you know, after the, the after the first two two uh, terms of the pregnancy, which something like 70 to 80 percent of Americans would agree with. But anyway, if Georgia did that, that would be con treated like, you know, end of days, the biggest fight of all time. And you could see how it would get very political. They're acting like and it's because people like Joe Biden are reckless and shameless liars. They're acting like what's happened in Georgia is a law that prevents minorities from voting. That's what the, this is racist. They said Jim Crow 2.0. I mean, they're, they're actually referencing, I mean, the Jim Crow laws are named for a minstrel show character. These were hideous, inhumane laws put in place after the Civil War to prevent black people uh, from having their, their rights. I was going to say their full rights, having really any civic rights. They're comparing this law to that. Biden said it's Jim Crow on steroids. It's worse than Literacy tests, segregated housing, segregated transportation, you know, separate water fountains. It's worse than that, Biden says. 
think about how crazy that is. Think about how recklessly and just disgustingly unfair and untrue it is. This is the president. I'm not talking about a few random people on the Internet or have a YouTube show somewhere. This is the president of the United States. And he's lying about this that much. You know, but then again, this is the president who said about Mitt Romney, quote, going to put y'all back in chains and quote. We all remember that. That's what Joe Biden said when he was vice president. And it was disgusting. What does the law do? I've I've went I've gone through this with you once or twice before on the show in some in some specifics, but it says you need voter ID for absentee ballots. Okay, well, you need voter ID to vote in person. So voter ID for absentee ballots is racist. Well, no, we've all the Supreme Court's already looked at voter ID in person is legitimate, universally applicable, a necessary component of voter integrity measures. I have absolutely no problem with it. And I think it's necessary. I go beyond having no problem with it. And they say that you can't bring water to people. You can't bring food and water to people in line. I mean, is, is anybody really going to starve or die of dehydration because they wait in a voting line for an hour? First of all, it's not true. As you know, they can have food and water 150 feet. If you're that hungry, it's completely legal for people to hand out sandwiches and, you know, potato chips and soda, whatever they want, 150 feet from the polling station. And the polling stations themselves can distribute water to people, which is fine. But yet they still go around lying about this. They still go around pretending that this situation is different than it is. Why do they do that? Well, because they're reckless. Because they benefit from it, because the Democrat Party right now wants to put Republicans on defense for racism while they completely steamroll political norms, have a border crisis, are talking about the elimination of the filibuster and a massive transformation of the economy. We don't need a transformation of the economy. We just need to let the economy get turned back on. We need government to get out of the way with these unbelievably stupid continued lockdowns and and all the stuff that's going on right now. Still, to this day, we need the government to stop doing those things. But no, instead of just allowing us to go back to life as we know it or had known it before the pandemic, they're using this as a crisis for the massive transformation of America. And the way they're covering their tracks as they do this is by getting us to beat each other's throats over racism in a law in Georgia that is not racist. You know, there's a quote often misattributed to Winston Churchill. So many Churchill quotes on the Internet are fake. uh, and, And there's a lot of other fake quotes to, you know, like Abraham Lincoln telling you, don't believe everything you read on the Internet, that quote. Uh, But there's the fake Churchill quote, but it's still a good quote about how a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. Uh, Churchill never actually said this, but people will put it out there on the Internet anyway. And and I understand it's tough to know, quote, attribution. Uh, But there's the uh, President Franklin Roosevelt, Secretary of State Cordell Hull did write a lie will gallop halfway around the world before the truth has time to pull its breeches on. So that's the that's a real quote, a real attribution versus the uh, much more famous Churchill one that he didn't actually say. Plus, Churchill would have never said pants. Right? Keep that one in mind. He wouldn't have said pants. He's a Brit. But uh, you see this with 
the way that the uh, the way that people are talking about what's going on in Georgia, it's just there are just so many lies about it. And and when you're talking about blatant, objective lies like this, you wonder how how could this continue? Well, it's because of all the pressure of all the incentives, the incentives to continue to perpetuate these lies. And I'm telling you, if you've tried to share your political opinions on social media lately, you know it's really hard to have an honest, forthright conversation. But now I've got a place where you can actually speak the truth and share your thoughts. Caucusroom.com. This is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucusroom is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally. Only real people who are verified conservatives can become caucus room members, but caucus room will never share your information with anyone ever. The sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the biggest difference locally. At caucus room, you can participate in live virtual meetings that are so secure the platform played host to over a dozen virtual Republican Party conventions last year. All right, go now, find new news jokes, and get involved with causes near you without the Silicon Valley giants crushing your free speech. Join the Buck Sexton Listeners Group. That's right, we have a Buck Sexton Listeners Group on caucusroom.com. That's C-A-U-C-U-S-R-O-O-M. Dot com. You can speak to other Team Buck folks all across the country and locally. Interact with other listeners just like you. Caucusroom.com. That's the Buck Sexton listeners group at caucusroom.com. 17 days is not enough early voting. Well, Stacey Abrams, by the way, Stacey Abrams was in New Jersey, in my state, praising Phil Murphy this week for a voting law where New Jersey early voting is nine days. Half half of what Georgia is, yet she's on TV in New Jersey, I saw it myself, saying that this is one of the greatest voting expansion bills we've ever seen, but this is Jim Crow? I'm sorry, George, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Chris Christie's making a good argument here. I I know a lot of you are like, Chris Christie, but he's trying to make a comeback, or at least a media comeback. It's amazing now. It used to be, I think, that people wanted to go into the media so they could become politicians. Now people become politicians so they can be media stars, but anyway. Uh, Chris Christie pointing out here that early voting in Georgia, I mean, there's no good faith argument here from the left that this is racist and evil and Jim Crow. I mean, they're they're just it's a smear. It is slander, purposeful political slander. And I keep saying of the state of Georgia, but it's of Republicans in the state of Georgia. That's what this is really all about. And uh, because of the history of the state of Georgia, which does have a very troubled history, because of Democrat-enabled legalized racism, by the way, starting you know right after the, well, stretching back, obviously, from well, well before the Civil War, but going all the way up until the Civil Rights era. Because of all of that, uh, this has a particular resonance right now when we talk about it. But let's actually look at this for a second. If it's, if it's racist to have whatever it is, 19 days of early voting in Georgia, uh, Isn't it a lot more racist only have nine days in New Jersey? If you look at Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, a blue Democrat state, and you look at their voting laws, Georgia is far more permissive and far less restrictive is the term of art here. Restrictive is the word that keep using to talk about this. But uh, 
that's very that's intentionally meant to convey an impression without getting into the details. Because if you look at what other states actually have in place, there are many that are blue Democrat states that are far more restrictive than Georgia. So how is it fair to call Georgia that? But this is these are word games, word games that are very powerful, word games that serve the purpose of the Democrats. But they're meant to intentionally mislead you about what's really happening here. They're meant to show you a different reality from what's really playing out before your very eyes. And that is the opening then because they've created all of this noise. It's the opening for these corporations then to pile on as well. And then it becomes a movement. They have mobilized Alinsky style. Doesn't matter what was true. The allegation creates the mob mentality of a need for people to do something about the thing that doesn't even exist or isn't even real. But once the mob is out there with pitchforks and torches, so to speak, looking to make an example of the king or storm the Bastille or, you know, whatever. Right. Once the people are mobilized, you got what you want. They're angry. You tell them who to attack. You tell them who to go after. And that's what ends up happening here. And, and corporations get in on it, too. As I've told you, I believe there has been a major shift in some of the most well-known uh, American companies out there, some of the most powerful, wealthy companies out there. It used to be that they did these things because they were afraid of boycotts. Now they're effectively weaponized against Republicans and the GOP because the people in charge believe this stuff. That's part of the transformation that's happened here. Or they believe it enough that they're willing to go along with it when they think there could be some short term benefit from it. You know, I, I hate the idea of boycotts. I hate the idea of politicization of sports, even though I think professional sports is full of overpaid crybabies now who uh, now not all of them don't tell me, oh, Buck, but I love so and so. I love my team. That's fine. I'm speaking generally. Uh, but, you know, this to, to be a professional athlete in America, to be. Uh, playing a kid's game and paid millions and millions of dollars to do it. What a what a rarefied, what a special thing that is. You know, while most people show up at jobs where they make maybe enough money to pay very basic, simple bills to live in, you know, an, a, an OK place. You know, while, while most of America is just kind of trying to keep their heads above water, some people often who are quite genetically gifted are able to make millions or tens of millions of dollars for doing something that the rest of us think is fun. And yet they complain about this country a lot now, don't they? A lot of complaints about what a what a bad country this is. In fact, we have, you know, uh, Rapino, the female professional soccer. But I mean, women's professional soccer is boring. It's just boring. You can like it. That's fine. A lot of people think that conservative talk radio is boring or crazy or whatever. Fine. They're allowed to. I'm allowed to say women's professional soccer is not a good product. And I'm not alone in that because not a lot of people watch it because it's just not very good. I mean, if you really want to watch soccer at about that speed, go watch your local high school teams play and you'll see about the same speed. And I mean that. And I coached high school soccer, so I have some idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you'll see about the same speed. And yet you have uh, athletes who are seizing on the female professional soccer players who are seizing on the politics of the moment to say that they're not paid the same way. I mean, this is all very straightforward. We understand why they're not paid the same amount of money, right? But we're supposed to forget that now because what? 
Otherwise, you'll be attacked. You'll be attacked by this mobilized woke mob, right? They'll come after you, even for something as obvious as that. Uh, the fact that somebody could be play, somebody could be paid to play any professional sport is a gift, and they should view it as such. But that, honestly, women soccer players, you know, make the money they do is pretty remarkable. Just saying. And without the men's leagues creating essentially an incubator for the infrastructure of women's sports. I, I also have to wonder, when are we just going to have, why not just have co-ed, co-ed sports all, all across the board? This is what the left wants, right? I mean, I don't want this. I think it's crazy, but why not just have all, all co-ed sports? We'll see, we'll see how many women are playing in a co-ed in NHL. But you see, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, but we, we shouldn't. And by the way, I know this is crazy, right? Women can be amazing athletes in their sport, you know, uh, and competing against their gender. I'm trying to explain what the left, what the leftist mentality is going to mean or should mean if we take it seriously. We mean we we eliminate gender gender separation of sports, and what that will also mean is that you will have basically no women on professional teams where they're judged by ability to put points on the board or to you know to catch or to run a certain distance in a certain time, whatever it may be. Um, but we're supposed to forget about all that now. We're we're a country that seems increasingly like there's a there's a a war on observation. You can't observe things that are very clear to you, that are very straightforward, that are very apparent. You're supposed to pretend you don't see what you see. And that's all over the place. It's when we talk about, you know, women's uh, women's sports and complaining about equal pay. We talk about SB 202 in Georgia, what it actually does versus what they're saying it does. When we see these campaigns about, you know, Asian American and or whatever, I can't AAPI. I don't even know what the acronyms did. I've never seen this acronym until a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, it's something Asian Pacific Islander hate, um, you know, stopping the hate of, of AAPI groups. And we're, we're not supposed to notice that they only seem to really want to talk about that. Those incidents when it involves somebody who is a, a white male perpetrator. And that's not most of the cases you're seeing, is it? But not allowed to talk about it. Not, not allowed to just say this is what I'm observing. You're not even not even uh, making statements of of uh, you know empirical fact necessarily, other than just this is what I've seen. This is what I'm seeing. Can we talk about what I'm seeing? No, you cannot talk about what you're seeing. You will be canceled. You will be punished for that. It's a war on observation. It's a the cancellation of observation is really what you're seeing. You say what they tell you to say. Don't read the text of SB 202 in Georgia. Just call it racist and anybody who supports it racist. Don't don't spend your time actually learning it. Don't listen to shows like this. Well, you'll understand what's really happening. No, you are not allowed to observe. You are told what to do. And this is the terrifying thing. There are a lot of people who want to be told what to do. And. I know I could transition and maybe I will into some mask talk here and what's going on with lockdowns. But there are people who find tremendous comfort in being controlled. There are people who would much rather have their lives dictated to them than have to make decisions and, and, and have freedom in a lot of these choices. I, I know that seems strange, just, but just look at cults. You know, look, look at how people willingly turn over all of their decision making, all of their powers of individual thought and free, you know, free minds and the, the free agency of, of the 
individual will. No interest in that stuff. Tell me what to do. Tell me who to bow before. Just as long as I'm warm and fed and safe at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You promise me you'll give me that? Okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. Way too much of that going on in this country, that's for sure. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. We are led to believe that there are institutions like the media that are there to be a check on power when they're actually the the handmaidens of power. They're they're the uh, the assistants. They they exist to be toadies for those in power, throne shiners to those who are making all the decisions. And what do those people do? The ones with, with real influence in this country, uh, they turn everyday folks against each other with narratives like this, with what's going on in, in Georgia and how that has ramifications for the rest of the country. You'll notice that there are people that talk so much about racism and they do it in a way that always benefits their side of, of the political aisle. And it never makes things better when they say things that are untrue or when they exaggerate the state of racial division in this country. In fact, you start to sense that there are groups that talk about racism constantly who exacerbate racial divisions in this country. I mean, you know, start, start to wonder. Uh, you start to wonder. Black Lives Matter, for example. Is Black Lives Matter dedicated to healing? Is it, is it really dedicated to bringing all Americans together on shared principles and, and basic uh, human values? Or is it a lot of anger and resentment weaponized for political purposes against the other, in this case, anybody who's not a part of Black Lives Matter, which overwhelmingly falls along Republican and Democrat political lines? You see what's said by these organizations, by these groups. I mean, when, when is there going to be a, a real public discussion, a real national conversation, you could say, about the fact that we are we just came out of a year where there were the most murders in the United States since 1995. Huge spike nationwide in murders. Every major city pretty much in the country had a considerable, some had a, a, a horrific spike in shootings and and, and murders. And it started not with the pandemic. It started right around uh, May, June of 2020. What else started right around May, June of 2020, everybody? We all know the answer to that, right? BLM. Cops are the bad guys. Cops are racist. There's so much racism in this country that there's a justification for mass looting and rioting, attacking innocent people. BLM as a movement would have would have you believe that the destruction of 
private businesses and, and even destruction of private homes, the uh, attacks on federal court buildings, attacks on police officers, local and federal federal law enforcement, that somehow that's about combating racism. That that's going to make this a better a better country, a happier, safer country where we all get along. Uh, that's not true. But the Democrats benefited from the movement. They mobilized so many people in the base with the BLM movement last year. Remember, there was a BLM movement under the Obama administration. And then Obama, you know, was was spent all this time uh, you know, demagoguing about how the movement had all these really good things about it. And you know, really coddling these left wing ideas about how cops are the problem. And these are ideas where people really suffer horribly. I mean, families are ruined because of these ideas, because you have uh, district attorneys in places like San Francisco with this guy, Chesa Boudin or Boudin or whatever, uh, who don't want to enforce the law against criminals. And then law abiding good people feel more scared and then the criminals feel emboldened and they do even more stuff and they get away with more stuff. And there are innocent victims of this. You would think, right, you would think that maybe people would start to look at what's happening with uh, the attacks on Asian-Americans that are occurring in major cities across the country under a Biden administration and ask, why is this happening now? Instead, they're desperate to tie it to Trump. I mean, the intellectual dishonesty around all of this is truly astonishing, but it's what they do. They find a way to tie it to Trump. Um, I'm I'm concerned about where all this goes, because what's going to happen is that the Democrats are not good at governance. They're already showing us that with the border crisis and many other things. Democrats in charge, whether it's Cuomo in New York State or, uh, you know, Newsom in California, de Blasio in New York City, uh, you know, the mayor of Chicago. You, you see all these different Lori Lightfoot. You see all these different uh, politicians, Democrats. They ruin places. They ruin them. They destroy them. And so then what happens is they come into power with all these ideas, about all the great stuff they're going to do. But they're ideas that overwhelmingly have been tried before and don't work. And then they turn around and they say they find a way to blame other people. And what's the best way to do that? Going after narratives of resentment and division and turning people against each other who aren't actually making any of these decisions. Right, Charles Barkley's right. The people in charge. And this is much more common and much more reality with Democrats than it is Republicans. The people in charge use race as a cover for what they're actually doing to the country. They use racial division for their own purposes and they make it worse. And they know they're doing it. We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So Palm first Beach. of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So but Melissa that. McKinley... 60 minutes caught in a smear. Uh, we could play the rest of that audio for you. 60 minutes didn't on purpose because Governor DeSantis, when look, look at the way the 60 minutes reporter goes after him. Didn't you do this? 
Didn't you get $100,000 from Publix and that's why you'd... Now, DeSantis has done a better job of vaccinations than other comparably, uh, comparable uh, states in terms of size. So, first of all, the results, DeSantis has got better results, better economic results, better vaccine results. DeSantis has put on a clinic while all these other Democrat governors of big states are idiots, all right? Cuomo, Newsom, Governor Murphy in New Jersey running for cover because they're clowns. And they're, oh, we believe the science. Yeah, sure you do. Good job, morons. And they're coming after DeSantis. He had better results. And now they're saying, well, let's put the results aside. Let's just look at why your results are better, because there's some corruption involved here. You know how you got to the results is the problem. One hundred thousand dollars donated to a pack by Publix uh, grocery stores in Florida. So let's let's be very clear here about that. By the way, that exchange is from a few weeks ago, but 60 Minutes just came after him last night and is trying to make this case that there's something uh, there's something wrong here with the vaccine rollout. Essentially, it's a favor. It's pay to play favors for donors to Ron DeSantis. That's the that's the basic allegation. And this is absurd. DeSantis goes into some detail about it. Uh, First off, CVS and Walgreens were given the vaccine uh, to distribute to seniors before Publix got anything. So the first people to get something weren't even, I mean, the first company to get vaccine distribute wasn't even Publix. Okay, start with that. Their mission, DeSantis explains, was to get it to seniors as fast as possible. One thing you won't see a lot of people talking about is that while the case case numbers in some places have gone up considerably, like New York, gone down in Texas in the last month, but gone up in New York, deaths overall over the 14-day average are still going down. This is what should have been expected all along. Um, this should have been expected all along. Because if we get vaccines to seniors, we are going to cut the death rate from this virus dramatically based on the numbers. We can all see it. All right. If, if you are if you are over 70, this is a very dangerous disease. If you are under 50, it's not. I just had it, folks. I just went through it. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to get it. But if you're under 50, it's not a, a considerable risk unless you have some other uh, health condition that you're adding into this, unless you have some, you know, ext- uh, extreme obesity and uh, and diabetes. But overall, and we're making overall decisions here about public health. It's senior citizens who are at real risk and senior citizens have gotten vaccinated in great numbers in, in Florida. I think they've gotten 75 percent of seniors now have gotten at least one dose. So DeSantis is winning. You know, he's doing a good job. But they're saying that he gave it to Publix, and that means that somehow there's corruption here. Now, I don't live in Florida, but my two brothers have moved there because they hate New York so much because of what's going on here. And uh, Publix, there are 800 Publix grocery stores in the state of Florida. So he already rolled it out to Walgreens and CVS for seniors. And then to get it, and while they were focused on that mission, then to get it to people as quickly as possible in the uh, rest of the population, right? So, so he had a focused mission, focused protection on seniors in Florida, which is the most important thing by far, because that's who dies from COVID, really, seniors. So he goes after that right away, which is the right move. 
I mean, this whole thing about getting 25 year old public school teachers vaccinated, it's, it's shameful. What? Oh, this is so scared. Give me a break. Every senior should have gotten vaccinated before any frontline worker other than healthcare workers who are dealing with people who are sick with this every day. You know, that you've got public school teachers and it's not I don't want to just pick on them because there are other, you know, public sector employees, too, but who are working from their couches going, oh, I need the vaccine. I'm 30 and I'm scared. We're all you know, we've all got concerns about covid. And yeah, we all interact with people who also are older, but getting the vaccine to those older people as soon as possible is how you save them. Not by spreading it out among favored constituencies. And, you know, in, in the state of Vermont, they're straight up making it, uh, making access different based upon your ethnic group. I, this is disgraceful. It's not even a little bit legal, but is anyone going to challenge it? Anyone going to bring a, 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 a federal lawsuit from the Biden administration against what the state of Vermont's doing? No, no, they are not. So, yeah. Your vaccine, your access to a life saving vaccine in some places is affected by your race. That's what we've really come to as a country. Huh? And of course, if you're non-white, you have better access to it in those cases. In the, in the case of Vermont, you know, that that's what we're told. That's the way that it works. So. Back to Publix and the vaccine situation here. I mean, they had some story about how, oh, for some people in one poor part of Florida, they had to go. It's a 25, 25 miles to Publix. Uh, they leave out that if you're a senior and you really need it, there's a CVS or a Walgreens. What is your local grocery, uh, your local pharmacy or grocery store with a pharmacy in it? That's Florida's a model was get it to those places as fast as you can so you can get it to people. New York's model. I, I have a vaccine appointment. In the Javits Convention Center, I mean, this is being run by New York City, New York State. I think I got it uh, 60 days from now at like 8 a.m. That's what I, that's what I have to deal with. And it was I had to get my family member, my brother-in-law help me get online. It was a mess. I can't walk to my drugstore on the corner and get it. They can in Florida. But 60 minutes is there to suck up to those in power, to do their part like the sociopathic journo lunatics they are by attacking Governor Ron DeSantis because he's made a mockery of who the journalistic establishment has been backing, what politicians they've been backing during this pandemic, who they've been acting like the heroes are here. They're wrong. They're just flatly wrong. And so now they try to cover it up. They try to muddy up, try to dirty up Governor DeSantis because it's not even just about the covid narrative and vaccinations. We all know what else is going on here. We all know that there's a very real possibility that DeSantis could run for president in 2024 and would be formidable, especially given the economic renaissance that his state is going through the explosion of of new uh, business activity and people moving there i mean heck i i'm thinking about moving there and i'm i'm really thinking about it i already have two brothers i got brothers that have lived in new york their whole lives never lived in another city in their lives except for college and they both moved there and they love it i'm just <laughs> i'm sitting here i'm just telling you the truth i mean it's it's a it's a fascinating situation to see the journos saying what they're saying about this, given the reality that's played out and given what Governor Ron DeSantis has shown us. 
They're just trying to tear this guy down. And it's because they were wrong and he's not their guy. And the 60 Minutes piece, you know, 60 Minutes maintained a, you know, something of a reputation here, some kind of a reputation for not objectivity, but not being as gross as some of the other journo outfits. Uh, but this was as bad as it gets. And they, they look foolish. They look idiotic. They cut out in the exchange they played last night. Uh, they cut out Ron DeSantis explaining in detail. You cannot hear his explanation. There are other prominent Democrat officials in, in Florida who have said DeSantis is right, guys. This is actually not what you're saying here about Publix wrote a hundred thousand dollar check to a pack. And therefore, that's why DeSantis gave them. This is this is stupid beyond words. It's just not true. Now, some Democrat hacks are going along with it, but there are some other Democrats who are saying, sorry, guys, this is not a real thing. But it's just a reminder that this is this is now the media is just warring propaganda machines. And you have one side that has 95 percent of the media real estate to have their story told. And so they'll just abuse it and they'll lie. And then you have other you have five percent, which is the conservative Republican side of the news media, which I'm a part of, who's sitting here saying, look at what's going on. I mean, we, we are still in the grip of this covid lockdown badness. And it's in large part because the media went all in on Fauciism and Governor DeSantis, thank God, was willing to stand up against this and say enough. We're not going to do this anymore. And we've seen the results DeSantis was right. Lockdowns failed. The journos and the Democrats were wrong. They're wrong. Now, they never will accept this. They'll never say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because ultimately, they think that they're just smarter than Republicans. That's a huge part of this. They're better people and they're smarter. And they won't they won't let that go. They, they've internalized that falsehood in a way where that's that's in it's uh, intrinsic now to who they are. I mean, it's just central to their perception of self but DeSantis has made a mockery of this just by doing a good job and keeping his state as open as he could and saving a lot of people including a lot of seniors